Well, good morning, everybody. You can sit down if you want to. Or you can stand up. I'm going to while I preach, so it's up to you. It's great to be here. It's great to get to preach twice on a Sunday morning. I'm used to that. I go to churches that have one service, and I'm like, now what do I do? Because I've been in multiple services since 1992, and uh, up to five a Sunday, and uh, we have about eight on a Sunday now, but I only do two of them. Thank you, Jesus, for great pastors on staff. It's great to be here with you. If we are new here, to, if you're new today to me, it's your first time and us to get to know each other. My name is Gary. Thanks so much for being here. You're in a great church. If I lived in Alaska, this is where I'd go to church, be a part of it, serve in any way I could. It's an awesome, awesome place to be. Love your pastors so much. Don't you have some awesome pastors? Let them know that this morning. I just love them. I love to spend time with them. The people are great vision. But I tell you what, I love the people of great passion. And uh, we need more passion. Passion for Jesus, passion for the lost, passion for building the kingdom. It's so good to be in service with Miss Mary here today. It's so good to see you. Such a beautiful lady. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. And thank you for following me on Facebook, for making comments. It's such a blessing to me. Uh, it's, it's such an honor to see you here today, Miss Mary. Bless you so very, very much. I got up this morning early and uh, drove out to the church property uh, out on the highway. Just got out and uh, stood around there and prayed for a little while. Looked around, reminisced a little bit. Um, when the church began 20-some years ago, uh, I preached. I preached not every year, but probably uh, within, without, with the exception of a handful, I preached every year. Uh, the church existence here, been here at least once, and uh, preached at the barn there on the property. I was preached there, I was holding a three-night meeting during the original 9-11, and it was packed that night, and uh, I preached in the tent during summer. How many of y'all remember the tent? Anybody remember the tent during the summertime with the plywood down on the ground and uh, preached in that? Then I remember Dr. Morocco asked me to come look at this building when I was up here one time and give him a recommendation on it. I said, you need to buy it, sell that property. It'll put you ahead five years. And they did. Then I remember, uh, remember a call from Pastor Daniel just a few short years ago. He said, that property's for sale again and, and uh, for the price. And he said, what do you think? You think we ought to buy it? I said, if you don't, I will. And so uh, I bought it, and now you're in the process of building um, and as I stood out there this morning and looked, I was so encouraged to see a dream develop. Uh, every dream is a process, though. I didn't share this in the first service, so, Pastor, you might want to share this next week. But as I was sitting there during the worship, I believe the Lord directed me to Scripture. In Luke chapter 18, 27, this is a promise, and it's really, really just kind of a, a word for your church. Luke 18, 27, it's not my message, it's just a word for the church. The things, these are the words of Jesus, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Now, this statement was a statement made after the confrontation with the rich young ruler who wanted to know about having eternal life, and Jesus went through the process of being obedient, and then he said, there's one thing you lack, sell all you have, give to the poor, come and follow me. The only time that Jesus said, come and follow me, was when he invited disciples, those to come and be a part of that. I think he was giving the rich young ruler an incredible invitation, not just come and be a Christian, but to bring him into intimate relationship to follow him. 
Uh, some people believe that, uh, that it was, he, he was actually Matthias that later uh, became a part of the disciples. Yet at this point in time, he left sorrowful because he had great wealth. And then Jesus talked about how difficult it is for a rich person to get in the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, and then they said, well, what are we going to do? And he said, these things which are impossible with men are possible with God. What he's saying here is uh, it's difficult to get into heaven if you're dependent on something other than God. And it could be, it could be anything beside riches. It just happened to be the illustration at that time. Uh, you could be very poor financially and still be dependent on something other than God for your salvation. Now, we can transpose that into today's happenings with King Chapel here of Alaska and your building program. During this time, it's a process. They're about to say process. And there'll be some exciting jumping up and down, running around the place, excited times. There'll be some heavy lifting times. Everybody say heavy lifting. Not only in work, but in finances as well. There'll be some times that there'll be challenges in that area because this, that's just the way it works. It's a journey. Everybody said journey. Faith is a journey. I'm going to talk about faith here in just a minute. But during this time, this season, I want you to remember this verse. When it looks too difficult, when it looks too heavy, when it looks like you've been thrown a curveball, if that happens, when it looks like things are not materializing like they should, go back to Luke 18, 27 and just declare the word of the Lord. Stand on that property and begin to declare the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Let me tell you something. If God starts something, he's going to finish something. And that's true in your life as well. Now, I could just pray and we could go home right now. And if, Pastor, if you want to, I will. Or if you want me to go ahead and share the word, I will this morning. It's up to you. We can have early lunch. I've never taken a vote on a Sunday morning about preaching, but uh, let's get into the Word here in just a minute. Have you believe that's the Word for the Lord today? What's the Scripture? Luke 18, 27. Say it with me. Luke 18, 27. The things which are impossible with men are what? Possible with God. My wife sends her greetings. Uh, she's taking care of our 7-year-old grandson today who's homesick. And uh, we've we got uh, four grandchildren, one on the way. In three weeks, we're going to have a, our second grandson. And so that's going to make us five all together. My youngest daughter will have three children under the age of 20 months. So that's a challenge. She has twin baby girls that are 19 months, and they, they got to take it all, I'm telling you. And they are so stinking cute, though. And... Uh, I just love it when they cling to me and cry when they try to take them home. I just love that. Uh, I'm glad they're taking them home, but I, I really, I, uh, I love it because they're holding on to Papa and not wanting to go. My daughter Jennifer, who was up here with Rose just a few years ago to do a women's conference, she said to, she said to tell you hello, but she said to do it like this, and we'll do my best. Hey, girlfriend, Hi. That's my best Jennifer imitation. So those of you who know her, you, you know, okay? All right. My keynote text this morning, and I'll be brief today, is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It simply says this, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Holy Spirit, I pray over the next few moments that you will speak life to each of us. I believe you have a word for everybody here today, including me. And I thank you, God, that 
that you're going to speak a word to us today in our particular situation. Those that are here, those that are watching through media, in Jesus' name, amen. I preached a lot of messages on faith, entire series on faith, but the last few months the Lord has been revisiting that with me and taking back to the subject of faith because I feel sometimes that my faith is inadequate. Anybody ever feel like your faith is inadequate? Like 24-7? I mean, I kind of feel like every day my faith is inadequate. It isn't, but I feel that way many times. And the culture of heaven is different than the culture of the earth. Uh, when Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, he said, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I've learned that the kingdom of God is the culture of God. When Jesus began to preach in Matthew chapter 4, he didn't preach the gospel. Now, and he did preach what we know is the gospel, but that wasn't what it said. He said he began to preach the kingdom is at hand. And so what he's talking about is the culture of heaven on planet earth. Now, the culture of heaven is a counterculture to the culture on earth. It is not a subculture. And when we as a church begin to be a subculture of the culture, we will no longer be salt and light because we're just like the world, only a subculture, a microcosm of that. But when we fulfill our destiny, we are a counterculture, not only a counterculture to the world, but a counterculture to the, what the world calls religion. Because most of it is not the kingdom. And so when we understand that, the kingdom is different. The world's culture says, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. God's culture says, give first. First fruits. The, the world's culture says, do unto others before they do unto you. The culture of God says, do unto others the way you want them to do. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. The world's culture is, get vengeance, hold a grudge. But the, but the kingdom culture is, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Our responsibility is to forgive. See, the God who's created us has a plan. When we live by that plan, life goes better. You face life one or two ways, with God or without God. It's a whole lot better with God. And God is interested more in developing our faith than He is in anything else because when our faith develops, everything else is touched and impacted in our lives. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God, by doing a lot of by and live by and believe by faith rather than by sight. So faith is about purpose and opportunity. Say that, please. Purpose and opportunity. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. See, faith doesn't come by seeing. Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So don't allow what you see to keep you from hearing what God is saying. Now, Obviously, seeing is a part of faith, but it's seeing what we know on the inside, not seeing what's just happening on the outside. You see, you could look at the culture in America today and really around the world and get extremely discouraged. You could get very frustrated and wonder what's going to happen in this world. But when we, when we listen to what God is saying, we hear something different than what we see that's happening around us. Faith doesn't come by seeing all of this. Faith comes by hearing something on the inside and hearing the Word of God. That's why I say your faith level will never rise above your word level. 
That's the problem in America today is because so many churches are illiterate when it comes to the Word of God. David said, "I will thy word if I hidden in my heart. If we don't hide the word in our heart, there's something else being hidden in there, and it will guide our lives. Don't allow what you see to keep you from hearing what God is saying. You see, heaven never talks defeat. There's never been a day in heaven, there's never been an afternoon, a moment, if there's time measured that way there, where God looks around the throne and He says, I just don't know if this one is going to work, boys. I don't know what we're going to do here. I can't imagine it. I just, this, this was a surprise to me. When I got up this morning, I didn't realize that was going on. The devil snuck that one in on us. I don't know if we can recover that. Let's just cut our losses, see what we can get out of this, and move on to the next century. I don't think that, that, that conversation's ever happened in heaven. Heaven never talks defeat because it's not part of the culture. There's no culture of defeat in heaven. There's only a culture of victory, of overcoming, of blessing, not cursing, being the head and not the tail. See, that's the culture of heaven. Now, in, uh, in 2 Samuel 5, there's a story about a battle. Now, the Old Testament's full of stories about battles, but this one's a little different. And in verse 17, it says, Now when the Philistines heard that they'd made David the king, they all got together and went up to search for David. They wanted to kill him. So in verse 19, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? Now I want you to know something. He'd just been made king. A king could do whatever he wanted to do. But even a king needs to pray. Even a king needs direction from the Lord. You may be the CEO of the biggest company in Alaska or the world, but you still need a word from the Lord. You may be a single mom with two jobs or a dad trying to make it in life. You need a word from the Lord. It doesn't matter who you are. You still need a word from the Lord in what you're doing. That's a little side message. Thank you very much. So God said to David, go ahead, and he did, and he defeated them. But then they came back. They regrouped, licked their wounds, came back again. They were, they were determined to get rid of David. So what did he do? He asked God again. In verse 23 through 24, God did something different. He said, you shall not go up. You know, God usually never does something the same way twice. You know why? Because He's a creative God. He could show you how to do something. You know, I grew up in Kentucky who, who, where Kentucky fried chicken was invented. Now, Popeye's is good. All that stuff is good. But it's still not Kentucky fried chicken. And I've been to the original restaurant. Colonel Sanders had just outside of Louisville. And uh, one of my friends who's preached for you used to travel with, with Colonel Sanders, Dr. Bob Rogers. And uh, uh, there's just nothing, nothing like that. You, 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 can't, uh, you, can't, uh, you can't go wrong with it, but God could come up every day with a different way to fry chicken and it'd all be good. For the next thousand years, he could show you a different way every day to fry chicken. Because God is creative. He's creative. So he just told David to go up and whoop the Philistines, and he did. And they come back again. He says, you want me to do it again? He says, well, I want you to do it different this time. He said, I want you to circle around behind them and come up on them in front of the mulberry trees. Now, evidently, it was a huge grove of mulberry trees, big enough for an army to hide behind. He says, I want you to come up in front of the mulberry trees, and when you, and it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the top of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly, for the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. Now, wait a minute. How do you, how do you march 
in the tops of the mulberry trees. Humans can't do that. God said, he didn't say when you hear the sound of marching. He said when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees. What in the world was God talking about? Well, I think there's only one conclusion of that. It was the army of the Lord. It was the warring angels under the leadership of Michael, the great warring angel, marching in the tops of the mulberry trees. I don't know what that sounded like. You just need to begin to stomp your feet right now. I don't know what that sounds like, but he heard the sound of marching in the top of the mulberry trees. God didn't say when you see the Philistines turn their heads, when you see them make a move, when you see this. No, he said when you hear this. You see, we're wanting to move when we see something. God wants us to move when we hear something. God wants to move in your life no matter where you are, what you're facing, what you're doing. God has a word for you to hear a word from Him, to move when He gives you a word in your life. You're going to live by what you see or you're going to live by what you hear? See, so many times we're moved by what we see. But as people of God, we need to move by what we hear. we got to do this right now. What's the Lord saying? No. No, I don't. You need to sit still. God says, move. I'm moving. See, when, when, we, when we respond to what we hear, we will always be moving in the direction of the Lord for our lives, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your family, your relationship, whether it's with your home, your finances, your business, no matter what it is, your ministry in church. We need to hear what God is saying. It was a cold October day in 1982, the University of Wisconsin Badger Stadium. As 60,000-plus fans jammed that stadium to watch the Washington Badgers play the Michigan State Spartans football. And even though they had the home field advantage, it didn't take long to realize that Michigan had the better team. After each quarter of the game, it ended with Michigan spreading the score. It was more lopsided. But something strange was happening. The crowd of fans were cheering and shouting with enthusiasm, watching their team be defeated. It seemed that the more points that Michigan scored against Wisconsin, the more the fans were cheering. Sometimes, even during a timeout, the stadium would erupt in cheers. The the coaches were puzzled. The players were confused. What they didn't realize, though, that 70 miles away in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Brewers were playing the St. Louis Cardinals in the 1982 World Series, and they were winning the game. And in 1982, most of the people in the stands had their transistor radios with them. And they didn't have earbuds with them. They just had them turned on so everybody in that area could hear. And while Wisconsin was getting their plow cleaned on the field by the Michigan State Spartans, the crowd was listening to the Milwaukee Brewers beat the Cardinals. And every time the Brewers got a base hit, they scored a run, struck out a batter, the crowd would erupt in cheers even if there was a timeout on the field. And the football players couldn't understand what was going on. You see, the crowd was seeing defeat in front of them, but they were hearing victory in their ears. You may be seeing defeat around you, but what are you hearing in your ear? What are you hearing in your spirit? Because God is not a God of defeat. He's never going to talk defeat. He's never going to speak defeat. He's never going to be defeated. He has zero on the side of defeat in his scoreboard. He's never been going to be at any point in time defeated. And if we will hear what he's saying, neither will we. You live in your life by what you see or by watching the Philistines and what they're doing. 
Turn to somebody right now and say, turn your radio on. Come on. What do you hear? I hear the sound of the army of the Lord. I hear the sound of hope. I hear the sound of peace. I hear the sound of comfort. I hear the sound of joy, the sound of power, the sound of deliverance, the sound of strength, the sound of healing, the sound of health, the sound of plenty, the sound of prosperity, the sound of an overcomer, the sound of someone who's more than a conqueror. What sound do you hear? Back in the mid-90s, in a little West Kentucky coalfield town, and uh, we had built a brand new home when we were 23 years old on our family farm up on a hill. Uh, we were raising registered quarter horses at the time, and uh, we had a nice big barn, had a lighted riding arena. You could ride rope in it, uh, big ground pen, had, I mean, had it all. Big gooseneck trailer, all that stuff. 23 years old. I'd worked hard. I'd done well. We're going to live there our whole lives. And then God called us in the ministry. We sold it all. We were living in a little two-bedroom farmhouse. I probably was 100 years old. You couldn't see another house from there. It's just surrounded by cornfields because we had to move where God called us to plant a church. We rented this little thing. It was infested with field mice. Just about every drawer she pulled out with her clothes in, there was a field mice in there building little beds, constantly fighting them. And one night we were laying in bed. Our church had grown rapidly in that little town. We would bought property. We needed to build a building. I was 29 years old. Um, we didn't have hardly any money, and we needed to borrow about $220,000 for the project. Now, that doesn't sound like much. It was the, the building was over 12,000 square feet. Well, I'd love to build a 12,000-square-foot building today for $220,000. And I was trying to decide, God, should we do this or should we take this step? Should we do this? Because I was still working six days a week from midnight to 8 in the morning in the underground coal mines in that area. God, should we do this? And I was reading Nehemiah, Nehemiah. And Nehemiah 2.20, I was reading. I was sitting up in bed, propped up the pillows behind me that night. It was probably a Saturday night because that's the only night I got to sleep in my bed of a night because I worked from midnight to 8 in the morning. So Saturday night was the only night that I got to sleep in my bed during the night. And Nehemiah 2.20 says, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servant, will arise and build. I can still see myself sitting there because it made such an imprint. Right then, I heard that not just in my head. I heard it right here. It penetrated through every brain cell and eardrum that I had, and it went deep into my heart, and I knew that I knew that I knew an academically uneducated, a young man that had no mentor in ministry at all, was trying to figure it out on his own, was doing the best he knew to do, had never even served on the church staff, only as a volunteer for 10 years as a youth leader, and the only time the pastor ever met with me during those 10 years was two or three times to chew me out of something I did wrong that he never told me how to do right to begin with. 
And so I'm out here on my own, just me and my wife and Jesus in a little two-bedroom farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in the West Kentucky coal fields in a run-down coal town with not a lot of money or resources or anything. And the Lord says, rise up and build. And I knew then that I had a go from the Lord. What he was saying to me, when you hear the sound of marching in the mulberry trees, go for it, boy, because I'm going to help you do it. And when I the next day, I was ready to go. And I went from bank to bank, and they all looked at me like I was crazy and didn't believe it until one banker says, you know what? We're going to loan you that money. And today, that building is there, and one bigger than that next to it is there. And they're all paid for, and there's a thriving converse, con, uh, group of people there, congregation in that area, that's a great witness to that region today because Years ago, 35 or 40, I don't know now, years ago, a little, the little guy heard a voice on the inside, heard a sound from heaven. I'm going to tell you, it's not your IQ that God's looking for. It's your ability to listen and to hear on the inside. And he can speak a word to you, mom, dad, businessman, businesswoman. He can speak a word to you, colonel. I'm telling you, God can speak to your life and give you a word to live by, to have victory victory in, in your life. Faith comes by hearing. Now, I could go on and on, but I'm going to stop right there. Faith comes by hearing. I know that's a simple message. Say, Pastor, can you come up with something deeper than that? I'm going to tell you, you get that right. You're going, you're going to have enough. You have, how, how deep does the water have to be to float your boat? If you've got a jet boat, I mean, you four inches you can make it if you get the speed up. You got something that's pulling a heavy draft, you need some deeper water. But as long as it gets deep enough to float your boat, you're ready to roll. Don't wait for another 100 feet. If you're floating, go. Some of you are waiting on some big breakthrough. He sung about breakthrough earlier. I tell you what a breakthrough is. A breakthrough is when you hear through everything else that's going on and God releases something into your life. Now, faith is something to be celebrated. You know, three times in, in the Word of God where he says, be of good cheer, John 16, 33, not my favorite. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you that you may have peace. That's wonderful. But in the world you'll have trouble. That's not wonderful. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. That's wonderful. Be of good cheer. We can cheer because Jesus has overcome the world. Matthew 9, 2, behold, they brought to him a paralytic on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. The second reason we can be of good cheer is our sins are forgiven. Can you say amen? Our sins are forgiven by the one who can forgive. Number three, Matthew 14, 27. I'm getting somewhere with this. Immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer as I do not be afraid. He was walking on the water and they were afraid. He said, It's I. Do not be afraid. Faith overcomes fear. We can rejoice because faith overcomes fear. Now, I know in some churches and places I still feel like it's very spiritual to be quiet and not make a sound or do anything and listen to someone get up and give some homily about something that doesn't make any sense or is relatable at all to our lives today. But they said it, they're done, church is over, let's go live a life ungodly and not knowing anything about God. But I think the more you get a revelation of who God is, the more you celebrate who God is, the more you rejoice in the Lord. And in fact, the Bible is full of rejoice. Come into His gates with thanksgiving, His courts 
with praise. He wants to come before him with us praise and thanksgiving and worship. So cheering, celebrating faith is one of the great, great, great standards, I think, of the church of the living God, of people who know Jesus. So we have things to cheer about. We can cheer because he's an old, Jesus has overcome the world because we're forgiven and because our faith overcomes fear. But there's one more scripture I want to share with you. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority. Isn't that wonderful? Authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's a great promise, isn't it? Have you ever wondered why he chose serpents and scorpions? What did he he said, when he say lions and tigers and bears? Oh, my. Why didn't he pick something like that? Serpents and scorpions. Never overlook the little things in the Word of God. Serpents or snakes attack from the head. Their fangs are in their mouth and poisonous snakes, they attack from the head. Scorpions attack from the tail. They have a stinger in the tail. They attack from the tail. Now, from my country background, I would translate that this way. Heads or tails, you win. It doesn't matter if the attack's coming from the head, the attack's coming from the tail. What God is saying, it doesn't matter how from one end to the other, you win. Heads or tails, you win. It doesn't matter how it comes up, you win. When they flip the coin, it doesn't, you don't even have to look. You win. Why? Because your faith overcomes the world. That's a promise from the Lord to us in His Word. Can you say a better amen today? What are you facing today? What are you dealing with today? Your faith. You need your faith strengthened today. Faith is not a complicated thing. Faith is not a feeling. Like love's not a feeling. It produces a feeling. Love is a commitment. Faith is a belief. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. You look at people and say, oh, they've got great faith. The Bible says every person has been given a measure of faith. You know what that means? It's seed. Everything God gives us is in seed form, and we have to develop it. I watched pastor's daughter up her singing. I heard her sing when she's about this big. I watched Danny one of the first times he beat on the drum. He does better on the drums now. Her voice is developing, made me think of my daughter who leads all of our worship and coordinates our worship teams in all of our multiple campuses. The first time, you know, she sang as a little girl. And now she coaches and gives voice lessons and sings and does all of that. It's a seed. We are responsible for developing the seed. So whatever God has given you, talent, ability, everything else, it's your responsibility, my responsibility to sow that seed. Faith is a measure. God has given everyone a seed. And you know what? Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, say, be thou removed. And if you don't doubt, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. You know what a mustard seed looks like? Teeny tiny. I got an old box stored in a storage unit that's got trophies in it from high school. I was in FFA, Future Farmers of America. And I won the seed judging contest at the county fair every year. And with the FFA, 
They put seeds in little vials like this. And you have about 20 of them, and you look at it, and you have to identify what seed is there. Mustard seed or a teeny tiny round little seed, multicolored. Little. That's why Jesus used that, because they knew how small a mustard seed was. Now, if he said if you have a seed like a pumpkin seed, like a watermelon seed, that's one of the biggest seeds. But a mustard seed, what is he saying? It's not the size of your faith. It's the ability of your hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Mama, faith comes. Daddy, faith comes. It comes by hearing. Parent, business person, faith comes by hearing. What are you hearing? Oh, somebody, please give me a word. That's wonderful. That's great. But if you're waiting on that, you may miss so many things that God has for you. I challenge you. I challenge you if you're not already. I challenge you in your life to spend time with God every day. Spend time in His Word every day because His Word is spirit and it is life. And His Word is wisdom and it is power. And this world will pass away, but not one little dot or comma or period in His Word is going to pass away. I think that's, you say, when you leave this world, you can't take anything with you. You can take the Word of God with you because it's eternal. Get that Word in your heart. Let God speak that specific Word to you in Jesus' name. Faith comes by hearing. Are you living by what you see or are you living by what you hear? Stand up with me, would you, all this place, and just just give God praise right now and thank Him and worship Him this morning. Lord, we praise you. Come on, just bless Him with the fruit of your lip. If you're new here today and you've never done that, that's okay. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Faith is not an emotional expression. Faith is a heart belief. Lord, I pray this morning for my family right now that you would release in this place an intensity of you speaking your word. Psalm 107.20 says he sent his word and healed them. The centurion said to Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. I'm a man in authority. I say go and they go, stop and they stop. All you've got to say, Jesus, right here and right now, all you've got to do is speak to that, that servant of mine. They'll be healed. Whatever you do, Jesus, all you've got to do is speak to it. Jesus said, now that's great faith. There's not a person here that you don't have a dynamo of faith on the inside of you to believe God for what men call impossible. Not, not one person. Not one person. Don't let the devil tell you that you do not have enough faith. The seed that God gave you is enough. It's not size, it's application your heart of believing. Father, I pray for my family right now.
And I pray, God, for you to quicken this Holy Spirit, make this so real and tangible to every individual. Whatever you're facing right now, family, every individual, whatever you're facing right now, what's, what's the most difficult thing on your plate right now? What is your biggest need right now? Begin to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a word. To give you a word. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a word to speak to you. Spend some time with your Bible open. Say, Holy Spirit, give me a word. You want me to, you want me to fight? You want me to pray? You want me to sit still? What do you want me to do, Holy Spirit? Father, I pray that over my family now, I pray, God, to release, 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 release. Release, 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 release. Strongholds be broken right now. Strongholds of doubt be broken right now. Doubt, 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 doubt. Begin to fall, begin to fall, begin to fall. Begin to fall, begin to fall, begin to fall. Like ropes that are holding a mighty ship to a dock, restricting it from moving out to sea. I speak to those ropes now to be broken over people now. Ropes of doubt, 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 doubt begin to fall off now. Ship begin to move. Let their faith begin to move. Their destiny begin to move. Their creativity begin to move. Their steps of action begin to flow in the name of Jesus. Release it now. Release it now. Release it now. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to turn this over to the pastor tonight. He's allowed me to minister tonight. We'll be praying for people tonight. But I just want to ask one more question before I turn it to pastor. Are you right with God? It's not a condemning statement. It's just a reality. We all need Jesus. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You're never more than one simple, sincere prayer away from the gift of God. No matter what you've done, how many times you've done it, it doesn't matter. You're only one simple, sincere prayer. I'd like to lead you in that prayer today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're watching by one of the media outlets today, you're sitting, standing here right now, and you say, you know, I'm a member of four churches. That is not the question I have. Jesus said to Nicodemus in the garden, you must be born again. must be. And Jesus is ready right now to make that happen in your life. If you're not right with God, if you're not sure that Jesus is the Lord of your life, I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Pray it with me right now, loud enough to hear yourself. Why, Pastor? Because faith comes by hearing. And family, would you, would you help me today? Would you pray it with me as well to help the person standing next to you who may be intimidated by a crowd like this to pray this prayer out loud. Let's pray it together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Today, Jesus, I choose to love you back. I ask you now, come into my heart and life. Forgive me of my sin. Change my life forever. I give my life to you, Jesus. All of my hopes and dreams. All of my hurts and pains, I lay them at the cross. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. 
And I boldly say, with my new faith, I am forgiven, born again, saved, and I'll never, never, never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give those folks a great congratulations this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for allowing me to share with this morning. I hope you're able to make it back tonight. If you prayed that salvation prayer, I want to ask you to do one more thing. Before you leave this building, tell somebody. Tell a friend you came with. Tell one of the pastors. Tell the ushers. Tell the person giving you a coffee back there. Whatever. Tell somebody, I made Jesus my Lord and Savior today. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. Put your hands together one more time. Pastor Vince, would you come? This is Pastor Vince. It helps with the team of people that see y'all grow in the things of God. So if you gave your heart to Jesus, Pastor Vince Ministry will be in the lobby. You connect with them. They got a gift for you. You may be seated for a moment as we receive our love offering for Pastor Gary. What a great, great word. Amen. Ushers, would you come, please? Making out a check, make it out to KC. We'll send him on with one check. The entirety of this offering will go to him and his ministry traveling to Russia for years. God uses them all over, all over the nation. He's got oversight over different churches, and he's just a great man of God. Great family, the brother's family. Thank you, Jesus. Don't forget to sign up uh, if you want to help with volunteering in the building. We'll, we'll be needing some volunteers again for laying PEX tubing pretty easy work. It's kind of color-coded and simple. A little bit, it's kind of like paint by numbers, but so I'm told. Anyway, we'll need lots of volunteers for laying that PEX tubing out here in a couple weeks, week and a half or so. So you put your name down. All again, all of our youth, got our youth camp coming up this Monday. You can register today for that. Children's camp following the following week. Amen. Ushers, would you come, please? Lord, thank you so much for Cape First. Thank you so much for Pastor Gary and Rose Brothers, Lord, and their family and the word that we received today. I pray that you would bless this offering and multiply it many times over, not only to him, but also to the giver, even a hundredfold return and blessing. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We receive the word with joy. We say yes, God. We say yes. Would you say that? We say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, go ahead.
put your hands together for Jesus. Let's close. Let me bless you. And don't miss tonight, 6 o'clock. Pastor Gary Brothers going to preach and flow in the Holy Ghost. It's going to be amazing. You don't want to miss it. Got a tremendous prophetic gift. Maybe, maybe the Lord will move in that way tonight. You don't want to miss tonight. It's going to be great, great worship. What a joy. Let me bless you. Father, thank you so much for what you've done today. We pray a blessing upon your people. I ask that you would indeed make them the head, not the tail. The lender, not the borrower. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed going in, blessed going out. God, the blessing of God would rest upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us, O oh God. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight.